Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> oh, excuse me, all oh, that worked. Um, good morning, everyone. We're going to make a start. You can come back to your seats and bring those wonderful conversations to a close. You can continue those later. We're coming. Um, we're coming to the end of our series on prayer, which we've been doing throughout the summer, and today we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians. Uh, it's the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, and this church really has an interesting story behind it. Uh, Paul arrived in Thessalonica and did what he normally did, his evangelistic strategy. He went to the synagogue and he preached for three Sabbaths in a row, and some of the Jewish people there were persuaded by his teaching, as were some of the God-fearing Jews. But quickly, opposition came up. Uh, the Jewish people that weren't persuaded began to get a bit jealous, and they organised a mob, they started a riot, and they went in search of Paul and his co-worker Silas. And when they couldn't find them, they dragged other believers out um, in front of the magistrate. Basically, the city at this time was in turmoil. And I think because of this, they thought, um, the believers there thought it would be a good idea to send Paul and Silas away. And so they left. And I think Paul was left with this, um, almost a sense of unfinished business with this church, that he'd been dragged away too soon. And he longed to hear how they were getting on. So he went on to Athens, and when he was at Athens, he sent Timothy to go and visit them again to find out how they're getting on. And Paul moved on to Corinth, and at this point, uh, Timothy returned with his report. And what we're doing, I'm going to be reading 1 Thessalonians 6, um, 3, sorry, verses 6 to 13. And towards the end of this passage, Paul prays for this church. And what I really want to focus on is the three, three things. One thing that Paul prays for himself in regards to the church, and three, um, two things specifically for the Thess- um, Thessalonians. So, um, passage should appear on the screen, um, but I'll read it, as, and I'm going to read from the NIV version. So, here goes. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way 
for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when, the, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a fantastic time of worship, for communion, and just to be brought to a place when we recognise it's all about your son, it's all about Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for um, this letter to this church that it spoke powerfully then and it, spoke, and it speaks powerfully now. Lord, I pray that you'll anoint my words. Lord, I pray that you open hearts so they're receptive to you. Lord, I pray that we'll be reminded that today it's you speaking through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this morning I'd like to start by talking to you about gladiators. Now, just to be clear, I mean, I'm not talking about Gladiator, that Oscar-winning Roman epic starring Russell Crowe and directed by Ridley Scott. I'm, it's a bit more lowbrow than that. I'm talking about Gladiators, which was a ITV series <laughs> back in the 90s. I think at that time John Fashionu presented it, but then it was revamped a few years later. And it's, it's hard to do justice in words to what Grad- Gladiators was like. It was like a, a sporting contest where contestants would face a, a number of challenges and be confronted by the might of gladiators, which were essentially the biggest bodybuilders you have ever seen. And one of these challenges was called the gauntlet. And sounds simple enough. What you'd have to do, you'd, the contestants would arrive at this, their starting position and they'd have to run a certain distance in the quickest amount of time that they could. However, and it isn't important, however, there was a succession of gladiators in their way, preventing them from moving on. As I said, I think we, um, words don't really do it justice. I'm hoping we're going to be able to show a clip of what this is like. This is from the revamped series. Let's see. And Atlas. Psyching himself up, about to come up against the combined 77 stone of muscle. Three, two, one! Will he be knocked into oblivion straight away? No, he's glided round him and Destroyer as well. Now head first into Spartan. Predator comes charging in like a mad fool. Referee getting involved. Paul Ramsey taking a real battering here. Can he survive another stunning blow? He's down and almost out as the gladiators show no mercy. And is that one blow too many? You attacked him in the wrong section. Go! Ouch. Um, Just to say, he does get up eventually. It was fine in the end. Uh, um, The truth is, God has a purpose for each one of us. We read that in the Bible. We know that we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and they have been prepared in advance for us to do However, our walk with the Lord can feel a bit like the gauntlet sometimes. We come against obstacles, um, barriers that prevent us moving forward. And often it's not just that they're preventing us moving forward, it's they're knocking us back and knocking us down. And it can take its toll. Sometimes 
these barriers, these obstacles, God is using, actually. He's put them in our path to, to teach us something. You think about the life of Joseph that um, we hear about in Genesis. Gifted at a young age, given a vision by God that you know, suggested he was destined for greatness, that even his brothers would bow down towards him. But boy, did he come across some obstacles in his life. Sold into slavery, um, falsely accused, which led to his imprisonment. God used the obstacles to teach him some stuff. For God to fulfill his purposes, his purposes through Joseph, Joseph had to change because although he was very gifted um, when he was younger, he was a bit arrogant. He was a bit spoiled. And God did a work in him. However, it's not always the case with obstacles. It's not always the case that we're meant to be shaped by them, that God is teaching us something. The truth is, sometimes obstacles can be in our path, be in our way, prevent us moving forward, and they're just not meant to be there. Watching that clip, I've watched it a few times now, it's quite amusing. I do wonder whether what that guy's thinking at the start as he's there with all his determination, all his bravado. I'm sure he's done lots of training. He's maybe his whole life's been leading up to that moment. But I do wonder whether deep down, as he's about to start, he's thinking, oh, could someone just move those gladiators out of my way so I've got a clear path to run up? Paul wanted to be with this group of Christians in Thessalonica. He wanted to return to them. And it's clear in his head he had, there would be some obstacles that was going to prevent him from um, doing that, even though it's not clear what they were. Maybe it was finance. Maybe it was the sheer logistics of travel back in that day. But it's interesting that when Paul prays, he's not praying, Lord, reveal to me what you're teaching me through these obstacles. Lord, what are you trying to show about my character? What is it that you're trying to change? Has travel become too much of an idol for me and I'm trying to go all around these places? No, he prays to our Father in heaven. He prays to the Lord Jesus as well and he says, clear the way, clear the path. Not all obstacles are meant to be there. When we're encountering difficulty, and it feels like maybe life is knocking us back a bit, we do have to ask that question. We do have to come before the Lord and think, is this something you're trying to teach me through, or is this not meant to be there? Should I be praying with faith for actually for this obstacle to be removed so I can pursue you more wholeheartedly? As I said, we've all been created to do good works, but maybe with some of these obstacles that we come up against, we need to be thinking about actually changing our perspective of them and how we're praying. A few years ago, I think I was just about to get married and I decided to leave my current job and do a training course, which was going to take um, a couple of years. And the problem with the training course was that it was going to be on a Friday, and Friday and Saturday once a month. And being a teacher, that's a bit problematic. Unfortunately, as much as we'd like, it's kids still turn up to school on Fridays. So I'd left my previous job, um, and I've been praying with my wife, um, well, um, my wife um, now, but at that stage, my fiance Emma, and we'd just been thought, no, I'm, you're meant to do this course. And time was going by, and I was checking all the advertisements in, um, in the kind of teaching um, papers for jobs. 
and very few jobs were coming up where it would have allowed me to work um, three or four days a week. I think in the whole time I was looking, two came up, went for the first interview, didn't get it. <coughs> but we had confidence that this obstacle of getting the job wasn't meant to be there. So the final job came up. And I went to the interview. I remember being asked, why are you doing a job share? And I had to explain about doing the course. And I just felt that with the prayer and God's response, he removed that obstacle for me. I was able to get that job at that school, able to do the um, two-year course. It was a fantastic experience. Not all obstacles are meant to be there. Sometimes it's about praying for God to clear the way. And what can be true for us as individual Christians can be true for us as a church. We believe, we're here, and we believe God has got plans and purposes for this church. We believe that he wants to do something in us and through us for this area to reach those numerous lost people that we see that don't know that they have a loving saviour. But I think our experience has told us it's not always a simple journey. (laughs) And you can see the leaders at the front laughing most. You come across obstacles. Are we praying for Beacon for those obstacles to be removed? To really, um, for him to make the way clear so we can make an impact for him. To see more people come, more people come into the church and experience his love. And unfortunately, they're not here today, but the ping pong balls. We've been praying all over the summer. I think John Blanchard has reminded us those names on those ping pong balls represent households. Think of the numbers of people. And even though we don't know what's going on in our lives, I think we can assume there's probably a few obstacles in their way that are preventing them from coming to know Jesus. And we can pray with faith, no, Lord, remove the obstacles for those people. Lord, if it's logistics, help them to be able to come to an Alpha course. Lord, clear the way. After praying for the way to be made clear for him to return to the church in um, Thessalonica, um, Paul prays something for the church specifically. He asks that the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as as does for you. The church had faced strong opposition and persecution. There'd been this riot, believers being brought up in front of the magistrate, um, and Paul being sent away. However, the church had endured. The church had stood firm, so much so that in chapter 1 of um, 1 Thessalonians, Paul refers them as a model to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, and says that their faith in God has become known everywhere. So when Paul asks God to make their love overflow, it's not a rebuke. It's not one of those prayers where he's, he's heard about this church, and he's thinking, man, they really need to overflowing love. Um, I have to watch that praying with my wife sometimes. You can do that, like, but you, you really need to be patient. <laughs> it's not, you can come across as a rebuke, but actually it's uh, encouragement. The report from Timothy has come back and it's positive. And so you think, why is he asking them to overflow in love? Well, I think it's because Paul probably realises it's what sustained them through the opposition. The opposition has come and the love for one, of, for one another has sustained them. Because the truth is, when opposition and persecution comes, pressure comes with it. 
And in pressurized situations, I don't know about you, I don't always react in the best ways. And our reactions can be unhelpful. We can say things and we can act in ways that even though we don't necessarily mean it, it hurts other people. And as we know, hurt can lead to conflict and relational difficulty, and it can harm unity within a church. So Paul prays, overflow with love for each other. How important it is to remember that. But it's not just about maintaining unity in the church. It's interesting that Paul prays overflow with love for one another and for everyone else. In 1 Corinthians 13, when there's that great poem about love, Paul writes, love keeps no record of wrongs. And I wonder that love was important to maintain unity within the church. When Paul talks about everyone else, I do wonder whether he's speaking about maybe those who are opposing the church as well. Those that people that really the Thessalonians were trying to reach as well for the gospel and whether having that focus on love would help them to keep a good account of themselves because if they were letting the opposition and the persecution lead to bitterness, they're less likely to go and preach to those people and reach those um, people. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Over the summer, I think we have all would have seen in the news the just the persecution that Christians are facing across the globe in certain parts of the world. And you hear, and hearing those stories, myself, I think, hearing them, it's difficult to have love for those doing the persecuting. Hearing those stories, how hard must it be for those experiencing <coughs> those stories who've witnessed horrible things? But I think Paul prays that to overflow with love for each other and everyone else. It's, not, it's that hopeful prayer which is based on something solid. It's based on something firm. But no, actually, in difficult situations, a church can have an atmosphere of love to each other, can have a godly attitude, but also to those outside who may be opposing. He has faith for that. And I think he's because he understands what God is like. Because, as I said before, Paul had to leave the church earlier than he wanted to. He felt he hadn't taught them all that was needed. And his final prayer to them, the final thing he asked is that, may God strengthen your hearts. May he strengthen your hearts. There had been great positives at this church. It was an encouraging report from Timothy. However, um, he does mention that in some ways the church was lacking in um, faith, um, lacking in their faith. Uh, Many commentators think that some confusion had arisen about the second coming, that um, some believers had died and those that had left had thought, oh, if they've died before Jesus comes again, does that mean their salvation's not secure? And this had led to being overwhelmed with grief. (coughs) Others think that, um, seem to have thought that the second coming was very imminent, like very soon. And maybe that they had stopped, actually stopped working. And Paul warns against they said, warn the idol. And you can understand the thinking, actually, that if you really did know the day and the hour, if someone told you, confident, if you knew confidently that it's going to be this Friday, 11 o'clock, he's coming again, 
I'm not sure how many of us would be enthusiastic for the office on Monday morning. You can understand it. But really, what Paul is doing here is he doesn't want them to focus on those things. There's no need for this grief. Their salvation's secure, those who have died before Jesus come. There's no need to be idle. What he wants them to focus on is holiness. It's holiness. He wants them to be um, blameless and holy when our Lord Jesus comes with, our holy, with his holy ones. Holiness can be a really tricky subject. It's clear in the Bible. Um, God asks us to pursue it. It's there. But it's tricky because it's difficult. We find it difficult that we live in the tension of the now and not yet. That God is doing something else. He's changing. He's making us more like, more like Jesus. But we're not perfect yet. And when we fail, when we mess up, it, it can lead to condemnation. We beat ourselves up about it. We feel like we should be better and we strive to be more holy. We exhaust our energy to be more holy. And it was so great that Paul, that prayer of Pauline's this morning when it's like focusing on Jesus. Let everything else fade away and focus on him because we forget to do that. We forget to come to God. Chapter 3, verse 13 says, May he strengthen your hearts. Later on in the letter, chapter 5, verse 23, Paul writes, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. The Apostle Peter, in his second letter, writes, His divine power has given you, given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's true, we won't be perfect until Jesus comes again, but God hasn't set us up for complete failure with holiness. It's not like he set us this challenge and it's going to be complete frustration for us, our whole walk with him. Because we often feel like that. We've got this challenge and it's like, okay, you need to be holy. God's given us a toolbox. Use this. You open it up and there's nothing there. And it's that kind of frustration. But no, it's actually the toolbox is full. We forget the tools he's given us. We can become more holy if we use that. He will strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy. He can sanctify you through and through. And he has given you everything you need for life and godliness. We have to use what he gives us. And... It was just great this morning, the time of communion, because we do it regularly now. And we do have to be careful that we don't let the moment pass us by. And it was great just to not let it pass us by this morning, to really take time, think about it, to come to the table, to take the bread and the wine, and to reflect on the fact that he died for us, he rose again. And because of that, we're not bound to our sin. He set us free, but we can have a relationship with him. And there's other things we can be doing for like the holiness. We're letting his word sanctify us, re- reflecting on truth, letting it wash over us. Yes, reveal the, things in, um, reveal the things in our life that we need to change, but actually have confidence in the identity that he's given us, that we're separated from our sin, we're holy, we're blameless, and that he loves us. And it is our series on prayer. 
and prayer is another key one. Um, over the summer, I've just found it really helpful to just quite simply be saying short prayers of thankfulness. Because I find that's really helpful for me because I've noticed that negativity can creep in quite quickly. I'm the, you know, I'm the type of person who when I sit, when I'm in a traffic jam, I'm like, Lord, why are you testing me with this? <laughs> uh, and so I have to be watchful because I can be having you know, what I consider a difficult day and the negativity comes in and that eventually can lead to me to stumble. And I just have found that recently, over the summer, just a few prayers of thankfulness. Like, oh, Lord, thank you that... Um, my daughter slept for a bit longer in the afternoon. <laughs> Lord, thank you for it's been a sunny day. Those short prayers of thankfulness have really helped my heart um, stay attuned to him and, and kept the negativity away. And I suppose my question to you this morning is, have you begun to see holiness as a thankless task, something you're never going to see fruit in, something that will always be a struggle it may be a time to remember those tools that he's given you remember um, that we need to look to him let everything else fade away and use what he's provided in our pursuit in the pursuit of holiness and I mentioned persecution earlier that Christians are experiencing in um, areas of the world at this time and I just think that we have to have faith and take the word of God as we read it, but actually in those situations, they can be strong. And in those situations, he can strengthen their hearts. And even though it might be hard for us to comprehend, that actually in those incredibly challenging areas, that they can live godly lives, that they can honour him in what they do. <coughs> so, yeah, what... I just love this Paul's prayer. I've called it the pastoral prayer because you just see the care this church that comes out, his <coughs> desire to be back with them, recognising that God can clear the way, that he can do it, and that he recognised the importance of love. That's what would sustain them through the challenges. That's what would help them reach those who are around them and possibly opposing them. And that he reminds them that holiness is about looking to the Lord. It's about looking to him. Okay, I'll just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that all we need is in you. All we need is in you. That, you, that we can fall into the trap of uh, pursuing other things, relying on our own strength. But the truth is, all we need is in you. And Lord, I pray for everyone here, if there are obstacles in their life that are preventing them fulfilling everything you have for them, and there are <coughs> obstacles that aren't meant to be there, that they'll go in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that if um, anyone has begun to believe the lie that they can't see any fruit in the pursuit of holiness, I pray that that will go in Jesus' name. That they will come to you, they'll begin more and more to look to you, the author and perfecter of their faith, and that you will sanctify them, that you will strengthen their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. 
You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.